This episode of The Table Podcast is brought to you by Southern Fusion Barbecue Sauce. You can pick up some of that spicy southern sweetness at southernfusionbbq.com. Taking a biblical look. Taking a biblical look at everything. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening to The Table, to the Table, to the table, to the table Man, it's good to be back with you. I'm so glad that you have um, not left me. And if you are a listener and you are glad to see that the table is back, yes, season two of the table is here. Um, I've been fighting and trying to make it happen. And finally, the third month, as 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 I was reminded by my guest today, as I was uh, the third month of the year, we are here, uh, season two of the table. We're actually going to dive into um, uh, continue our Christianity 101 series today. Uh, going to be talking a little bit about the gospel. I think it kind of merits to have that conversation. Um, and how this all came about with our guest today, I'm going to get him in here in a minute. But um, we literally sat here probably about a week and a half ago and had a conversation about the gospel. And I, I, I just to be kind of honest with you, I was kind of proud of him um, because I've, I've had the privilege of being able to see this guy uh, grow in wisdom and stature before the Lord. And um, I'm, I'm proud to say that he's one of my former st- – well, are you ever a former student, Parker? I mean, I can always learn from you, Jimmy. So. <laughs> um, but he is uh, – I met Parker through one of my former student ministries, uh, ministry positions. Um, and Parker's just kind of been a, a guy that's, that hangs around. And and he's always somebody that we can lean on. And um, he helps us out a lot here at New Life. But then also, um, Parker, I, I'm just going to let you kind of tell and introduce yourself. So um, just go ahead and tell everybody who you are. All right. Um, so, well, to start with, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I guess I'll start kind of with just my Back test. in 1990, what, yeah, I'll, 99? No. When were you born? 03. 03. Doesn't that make you feel old? I was, I was in college, Parker. Mm. I was in college. You could be my son, Parker. Think about that for a second. You're trying to tell me something? No, I'm not trying to tell you anything, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, so um, I guess I'll just start kind of with my testimony. Uh, I tell people all the time that if I could have been born in a church pew, that probably could have happened. would have been quite the sight to see, but if it could have, that's probably what I wouldn't. Just yep. That's me saying that I've always always been in church, grown up in it, you know. Right. Um, but that didn't mean anything. You know, I was just around it, but that didn't mean I was saved. Right. Um, and so kind of got, I don't know, I think I was about six years old where I was at the time. It was maybe between four and six. Um, at, they had a program at my church that I came from called uh, Cubbies. Yep. That tied into Awanas. Yep. And I'm still like this to this day when it comes to activities and things. But with Cubbies, they had little badges and things you could earn right. for memorizing scriptures and coming back. And, you know, did you do your your homework per se, I put that in quotations, but right. You know, did you do all that? And my, my thing was like, I was going to get it all. I wanted everything. You wanted everything. Yeah. You're a completionist. Yeah. And so I wanted to be that guy. So like when the other fourth, not fourth grade, the other four year olds and like six year olds or however the age was at the time right. for me, when they'd walk up, you know, I'd have that sash of things just to like showing off, you know, per se, right. Which wasn't great for you're in church and you're like showing things off, but, but anyways. you were a kid, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. Anyways, I mean, Fast I mean, it, forward. Okay. it doesn't it doesn't like excuse it but like you were a kid so yeah. don't feel too bad about it it's true but so that's kind of what i was that's what i was doing and then as a little bit of time progressed i kept hearing about jesus being mentioned and being able to know him but 
I I didn't really know what that meant, I, you know. And so it was one of those things where it was a person that I heard of, it was a thing that I knew until they kept talking about this relationship that I could have and a gift that he offered me, um, which was eternal salvation. And so one day, it kind of, the gears just started turning as that kept getting mentioned and just, you know, and one of those things at the time, like who, who, do, who doesn't want a free gift, you know? And especially when it comes explained as salvation for eternal life. Right. Um, literally one day talked to my mom, we were at home and I was just asking her, I was like, Hey, is, I've been thinking about this. Like, can I, can I do this? How do we do it? You know? Right. Uh, well, she was like, she led me to the dinner, the dining table and she just kind of walked me through a prayer on, you know, giving my life to Christ. And she was very clear on, you know, understanding what I was doing. Right. And ever since then I have been saved. So I was saved basically around the age. I'm going to, I want to say six. Right. Um, and so I've done that since then, but fast forward, I've gone through plenty of tests and trials and, you know, as I've been walking with my relationship with Christ. Right. But fast forward to now, kind of who I am and what I'm doing, um, here at, you know, at new life, I get to lead worship for the youth. I get to participate in worship team for the, the main sanctuary on Sundays. Yep. Um, I go to USC upstate currently. I'm a freshman in the fall. I was a commercial music major, but that just didn't work out. Um, why didn't that work out? You just didn't. It, to put it to put it like lightly and in short, it wasn't what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um. There was they were throwing a lot at me, and there was right. a lot of things that where, you know how in most subjects, let's say math, you know you progress, and then over time you'll go to a new thing where you're not really pulling from that last thing you learned. Right. I know it's a really weird way to explain that, but with music at the time, it was you're just always building. You're never mm-hmm. going back to anything new. Yeah. Um. And I started to fall behind, especially in a particular class that involved hearing something and singing it back oh wow and uh yeah no i was like Not i good was that. i was doing good like my grades were great but it was one of those <laughs> things where i knew it was only going to get worse and i was like i'm gonna have to this just isn't what it is for me so right god don't that semester changed my major to management in business um which is going well right now but right. All I'm doing is gen eds, so I can't tell you whether or not that's for me or yeah, not. Yeah, that's the so. first two years of college, though. That's like getting your general education out of the way is like mm-hmm. that's you got to hit the requirements before they'll let you hit the major, and that's how they draw a, a two year degree into a four year degree. Anyway, that's a whole nother. Mm-hmm. My my issues with that. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, Parker, here's what I love about you, man is is that it's never hard to pull conversation out of you. Nah. Um, we've been able like, last, and we kind of referenced this, um, and kind of in our Christianity 101 series. Yes, we're actually going to get into to it now. Here's the thing: we had a conversation, and I told you kind of that I was I was milling around in my head, kind of talking about this, and and the reason that I brought you to the table, pun intended, um, is is because I feel like your generation. You've got something to add because you are of, um, you fall into Generation Z, correct? Yes. Okay, so you're Generation Z. You're the you're the generation that the Facebook boomers want to, oh, them kids, get out of my yard. You're that generation where, you know, you constantly hear, um, you're, you're, you know, can't communicate, can't do all this stuff, don't know how to work a... A dial telephone. You don't know how to, you know, drive a straight drive. Which you know how to drive a straight drive, don't you? Uh, no. You don't. Okay. Well, I, so hold on. I know the concepts. So the stereotypes are true. Well, I don't. I just. It was. It's not the case that I don't know how to know it. It's I've. I was never taught. Okay. Okay. So when it's the case of like, hey, you don't know how to do this thing, and I'm like, no, and all the, 
Do you know all how to, the old people that are significantly on the lesser or the further end of age? Boomers. <laughs> yeah, are like, hey, you, you're a failure because you don't know this thing, and I'm like, right. no, no right. one stopped me. That's yeah, not my fault. Right. Exactly. Um, because there's really uh, there. I don't know when the last time I I saw a straight drive vehicle was. I've never owned any either. To even been like, hey, I'll teach myself. When I was your age, if I wanted to drive a vehicle, I either had the choice of my dad's truck, which shifted straight out of the top of the transmission, mm-hmm. or a 1990 Chevrolet Cavalier, which was a straight drive as well. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn how to drive straight drive. Yeah. Positive about the straight drive, though, um, is that when the battery goes dead, you can do something called popping the clutch. Mm-hmm. So I would literally, when I'd go to a friend's house or whatever until I could afford to buy a new battery, this is free of charge, by the way, as we get into our subject. Okay. But I know, right? Um, But I I would have to um, park kind of going downhill. And so I would put my car in neutral and get it pushing and rolling. And I'd hop in my car and I'd put the the gear in second gear and the transmission in second gear. I'd still have my my the clutch pushed all the way in and the car would be on and I would release the clutch real quick and it was called popping the clutch and the car would come alive and it would start so anyway that's the, the upside of having having a, a straight drive vehicle anyway god we've got to focus here um i want to talk a little bit about uh kind of do a christianity 101 series of course we're going to be going to a article from gotquestions.org it's about the gospel and um we kind of i feel like as as a believer it is important for us to understand what the gospel is. And so I brought Parker to the table to just kind of give some perspective, maybe add some commentary, um, ask questions or whatever comes to your mind, Parker. You're free to kind of do all this stuff. Um, but we're, we're going to kind of, uh, I'm going to be referencing a Got Questions article, and we're going to be talking about it and um, kind of give some light, maybe show some perspective on what the gospel is. And so, um, without further ado, I'm going to reference, if you want to actually look at this specific Got Questions article, um, and by the way, if you don't have the app, go ahead and get the Got Questions app. It's actually a phenomenal app. If you have any questions, biblically uh, speaking, or about Christianity, um, there's uh, people go to this website and ask questions about Christianity um, almost daily, and these answers are formulated and put together by uh, people with PhDs and degrees that are higher educated than I am. So, um, and this is a base. Uh, this is a baseline level. Um, this is a baseline level understanding. So, um, we're not going to get too deep. We're going to basically give you a surface understanding, an entry level understanding of what the gospel is. Just to add, though, doesn't got questions? They take like if if you don't have time to read, don't they take their articles and they turn it straight into videos on like YouTube? Yeah, on the more popular articles that are visited on their website, they do put it into video form and they do have a youtube channel so yes i i i've completely forgot about that so parker that's that's why i'm paying you the big bucks this morning or today not this morning wow seven drinks of soda (laughs) caffeine's going to kick in here in a minute right um so let's just get into it um and as the article states here it says the word gospel literally means good news and it occurs 93 times in the bible exclusively in the new testament in greek and i think this is now please forgive me if you're a greek scholar listening to this um, i'm going to try to pronounce this word if you are a greek scholar please forgive me please forgive me i'm a rookie and and i'm just trying to bring understanding to this topic um 
but it is the Greek word. You want to try to go go with this, Parker? You want to give it a go? Eu agelin. Eu agelin. Right, you guys. I, I think it's uh or something. I golly. You want we want to spell it out before? It's E U A G G E L I O N. There you go. Anyway, so that, that word, that word right there, um, from which we get our English word evangelist or evangel or evangelical. The gospel is broadly speaking the whole scripture, but more narrowly, the gospel is the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. Okay, so the gospel cannot basically what they're saying is, is the gospel is can be and really we can sit here and argue and have this conversation or not argue, but talk about how the gospel is the story from Genesis to Revelation in its completion. So it's like, yes, it's a multi volume movie, but like it's it's incompletion, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. So that's what they were saying here. Um the article goes on to say this, the key to understanding the gospel and, and is to know why it is good news. And to do that, we must start with the bad. So you got to know why the good is from the bad. The Old Testament law was given to Israel during the time of Moses, and it cites Deuteronomy 5.1. The law can, can be thought of as a measuring stick. So even if we take the simple, in Exodus 20, the, the Ten Commandments, we look at the Ten Commandments, and yes, there's a lot of people um, wanting to complain and fight and, and all these other things and, and another topic for another day, but um, they're wanting to talk about, well, they're taking the Ten Commandments down out of the courthouses or the schools or whatever. The Ten Commandments were is just a, it's just a measuring stick. It's not a standard by which we can live by. The standard, we can't meet that standard. That was the whole point of it. Yeah, exactly. We can't meet that standard. And that's what this article is, is saying here. Um, it's a measuring stick during the time of Moses and, 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 and that anyone um, that sins, and sin is anything that falls short of this, this standard, according to that standard. The righteous requirement of the law is to be so stringent that no human could possibly follow it perfectly in letter or in spirit, despite our goodness or badness relative to each other, we are all in the same spiritual boat. We've sinned, and the punishment for sin is death, i.e. separation from God, the source of life. And that's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that one. In order for us to go to heaven, God go to heaven, God's dwelling place, in the realm of life and light, sin must somehow be removed or paid for. And so in the law establishes fact that the cleansing of sin can only happen through blood, uh, a bloody sacrifice of an innocent life. And Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, the back part of that verse says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we've got the law, and the way the law that can be satisfied is through sacrifice, because we can't meet that standard. Um, there has to be the shedding of blood. And thus you have the setup of the Old Testament system of the sacrificial system. Now, we are doing a touch and go on this whole thing, kind of a 30,000 foot view of everything. And I know there's a lot of details and a lot of cool things when you start to look into the sacrificial system and, and how Christ, you know, completed all of that. So um, you got anything so far? Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, that I would say 90% of my generation would probably not know that. Why? And the reason being is because I think, number one, when the gospel is shared, um, right? They do. It, it is good to share. You ha- you have to share the good news of saying, you know, right? Why? W- what is sin? Why do we? Why do we need a savior? And then offering Jesus is to 
the solution to that, you know, and what he's done. Right. But for a lot of my generation, it stops there. Right. Or if it, once let's say they've made that decision, in pursuit of knowing Christ more, mm-hmm. it for for the people, let's say, that are teaching the new believers of my generation, it can go straight into judgment really quickly. Because, like, now that we've got you, you know, now that they've accepted Christ, it's right. like, hey, you shouldn't be doing that, or you shouldn't be doing this. What or, do you, so, so kind of elaborate on that a little bit, mm-hmm. the judgment part. What do you mean by that? Well, it can go a lot from, you know, I'll put it this way. I know I've seen a lot of people that, they're, you know, the whole the furry thing is right. really big for whatever reason. I, I, you can ask me from that generation. Very I don't strange, have an but from. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But let's. This is a hypothetical thing from what I've seen. Right. Um. If you had someone like that who came to church, um, I have seen times where that person, if they were to show interest or things, might either be, you know, hey, you can't do that, or which is good. It doesn't need correction. Right. But it's kind of like the first thing to go to. You know right. what I mean? If that I, that's a really hard way no, to no, explain no. that. I, no, I I agree with you because mm-hmm. I've seen it acted I've seen it worked out in several different ways and right. not just you know for extracurricular if you want to google what furries are be mm-hmm. very careful put safe search on and oh yeah <laughs> and google you know it it's anyway um it's a really strange strange thing. I've even seen it too kind of worked in a more common known thing. Um Yeah, it should I, be accepted. If that's yeah. Well, right, but but I've seen I've seen um, even uh, young ladies mm-hmm. that um, aren't saved. Right. They don't know they don't know the Lord. They haven't they haven't repented of their sin and placed their faith in, faith in Christ. But they're they're at church. Mm-hmm. They're at church on Wednesday night, or they're at church on a Sunday evening, and they have it come in dressed like good good church kids. Right. And immediately, uh, I'm I'm attacked or, or or I'm confronted by the church Karens, saying, "Hey, you need to go talk to that girl. You need to go talk to that girl." And specifically, one situation: this young lady had just come in from volleyball practice, and as you, if you've seen volleyball uniforms lately, there's I, I don't want to you know, um, and and she was all in a fit about her being inappropriate and i looked at her and i said hey um you see the bag on her shoulder right now she's getting ready to walk into the bathroom and i guarantee you she's going to go put on sweats and a hoodie because she it was like 30 something degrees outside she's probably cold yeah and lo and behold she goes into the bathroom and walks out and she's in sweats and a hoodie and, and tennis shoes and her hair's up in a ponytail and She's hanging out with students, and she's a part of the student ministry service that night. Right. And so a lot of times we're quick to, hey, believe in Jesus and give your life to Jesus, and then you got to change all this stuff, yep. right? And we don't lean on the fact of, of growing them in the Lord and allowing Jesus to change them from the inside out. We mm-hmm. talked about, you know, Scott preached on this uh, yesterday in, in the service, the, the metamorphosis from Romans 12 two is a changing from the inside out. When we, when we repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ, it is a work of the Lord of the Holy spirit inside of us that changes those things that, that gets rid of the, the stuff and the worldly, you know, whatever, and, and, and starts to replenish it or replace it with, with stuff that is pleasing to the spirit of God. Right. And it's a process. The thing that I think ultimately that our generation's missing a lot of that kind of leads them to 
either, you know, if they accept Christ and then my generation leaves the church or something like that, or they're just like, I was judged or things like that. Um, I think it, it kind of, there is personal responsibility for your own relationship. Right. But early on, I have seen from callous times now, a lot of it comes down to, and this could, I don't know, I'm speaking from experience. Right. A lot of it will come down to the adults that are in that ministry and the people right. that have authority because it usually comes from a lack of wanting to build relationship or it's inside the walls. I'll talk to you and like, right. yeah, I know you, but when we leave and it right. comes to living life, yeah, it's, it's, it stops there. And right. we've had many conversations where, you know, the relationship is built outside the walls kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm totally on board for it because I believe that's the lacking thing for our generation. Right. And you can go down the whole the route of clearly our gener- my generation is very right. very held on emotions and things and mm-hmm. you can we will get into that about worship and such but um you look at the gospel present presented for us and you know the new believers that are accepting my generation right a lot of them are walking away i don't think it's just because the world is saying hey you don't need that you can be more accepted over here mm-hmm. sometimes the world is more accepting of that person than the church is yeah and we are not supposed to be accepting of the behaviors but if a person is wanting to seek to know God right. and they're striving to do that, you know, after being saved, yep. it is our job to walk with them and allow and to God to life. do the work. Yeah. Yes. And allow God to do the work. It's a, it's, it's not a thing of like, Hey, don't do this anymore. Right. And then they go away and they go and do it. And then right. they come back and they're like, Hey, why did you do it? I told you not to. God says not to do this. That person's going to be like, you are not here to help me. You're here to judge me. I'm gone. And and this is the thing about the gospel is that if if it is if there is true confession and repentance of sin, if there's recogni- recognition, if the person looks and sees, okay, I, I'm seeing God's standard that He's put forth. I can't meet that standard. Well, praise the Lord, He He made a way for us through that wall. Uh, and and because I fall short of this this standard, right. uh, for we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans three twenty three. Um, then Christ is the way that I can meet that standard. It's a trade off. Mm-hmm. I I confess my sin. I give God my sin. I, I I repent of my sin to the Lord and place my faith in Jesus Christ. And what happens is that is that He gives me His righteousness, right? His sacrifice on the like. And we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but. But a lot of this, dude, a lot of this is just solved in a lot of the things that you just brought up, I personally believe is is solved with the whole notion of letting, you know, creating a place where people feel welcome to come in, but confronting their sin, confronting them, not backing down from biblical things and allowing, saying, hey, okay, here is, here is the gospel. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to start working on you, and you're going to have some conflict here because you're going to your your flesh is going to wage war with your spirit, mm-hmm. and it's going to be which dog you're going to feed. Yep. And so, a lot of times, some of your peers uh, kind of get that feeling. Some of your peers get to that point, and they're like, "It's easier to feed the dog that's not of the spirit than it is to feed the dog of the spirit." Right. And so, so when we do that, the the dog that's not of the spirit gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And so, which which dog is going to pull you in which direction? The bigger dog, the bigger dog is going to pull you in the the right the their direction. Yeah. And so, I think too with that, there's 
I think sometimes it, I think it's so important because I'm a very logical in my thinking, you know, and I want all the details and things. And so when it comes to sharing the gospel, obviously we've just talked about how the gospel can be the whole Bible itself. Right. So you, you, it's not the case. Like, hey, you want to hear the gospel? Let's start at page one. Right. Out of like however many pages. Right. Um, but I do think it is very vital that. I worry sometimes, well, number one, obviously, a lot of us struggle with sharing the gospel in general, right. which there's a multitude of reasons. But I think there's an attempt that, like, hey, the attempt to get us to share more sometimes undermines that. We, like, we make it as simple as possible. Right. But because it might be so simple, there might be missing a lot of things. And one of those that I've seen in my generation that isn't being talked about as much is we, we mentioned the word repent, and I tell you, I will say this, like, I can say it so confidently. Right. When you're telling a believer, or not, sorry, not an unbeliever, and you're sharing the gospel, and you're you're bringing up the condition of repentance in right. salvation, I guarantee you they don't know what that means. Right. And so when it's like, hey, all you have to do to accept Christ is, you know, you got the ABCs, admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right. confess your sins and turn from them, you know, a.k.a. repent from him. Right. <laughs> all that's going to, like, go through their mind is... I just have to admit that this guy is who he says he was and believe in him. And then I get, get salvation and we're done. Right. Right. Cool. Check. I'll, I'll take that trade any day of the week. I don't right. have to, I don't have to conform my life. I don't have to do any of this. Sure. I'll take Be- that trade all day long because we don't talk about that stuff. Right. We don't present it initially of, or that it's not being presented initially to people my age that, Hey, mm. it, when you make this decision, it's going to come with, you know, denying yourself when that's, a whole right, thing, right? Denying the things that are natural in 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 striving for things that are of Christ, right? I guarantee you, and I would love a study like this to right. see what would be done. Is if people that have struggled with that right there, mm-hmm. number one, if it was explained to them initially, yeah. and then number two, what their decision would have been if it would, because I wonder if there's a lot yeah. of people that have accepted Christ, right. or I shouldn't. That's a whole other thing, but. There's been a decision made, right. and the line goes down, and they're like, "Hey, if I would have known this, I wouldn't have done it." Right. Which is a it's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing, yeah. Yeah, but I really do wonder because I think nowadays, you know, everyone wants to see how many numbers they can get. You know. Do you think that this? Do you think that this? What you're just talking about this problem is also plays into what we see is now the huge trend of people walking away from the faith or deconstructing oh, and yeah. going. Because they they didn't know the gospel to begin with, mm-hmm. they I didn't think, know and understand and count the cost. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely part of it because you know it's it is good. It's, it's I think it's important in your relationship with Christ to to question things. You know, to like not not Absolutely. in a sense of like not in a sense of like, well, did God really say that? You know, right. kind of thing, and, and and like in an attempt to kind of get around something. But it's okay to go. Well, why? Why, right, are, why right, right. are things the way they are? Why yeah. did you do it this way, God? I think those kind of questions are important. Absolutely. And so, if you want to look at deconstruction from the eyes of like br- breaking down and looking through, yeah, it's good to question that. Um, but when it comes to the sense of like the way that the trend is to deconstruct your faith, right, in an attempt of like you're not comfortable, so what's the problem? Right, and that leads to walking away. I definitely think that's part of it, because mm-hmm. there's a whole thing where they they walk away and they're like, "I feel so much better." Well, yeah, because you're living in what is now natural to you, and you're and that's your your sinful nature, right? Like you're and living in the your. <laughs> I think li- there's a I think yeah. there's a huge like like bridge that's not being crossed with yeah. that, and 
I think too, it's like it connects to the thing of like, okay, well, if that's the, why is that the case? Why is that the case? Because it's, it's the one thing that that whole thing, we love free things. We love gifts. Yeah. But we don't want to deny ourselves. We don't want anything to get like, it makes us less. We don't want it to cost us anything. And at the moment that it costs us something, whether it be trial, persecution, or um, the slightest little hiccup. Yeah. We, we think, the bill of goods that the Christian walk is an easy thing. Um, it, it's is, so far from the truth. It's so far from the truth. You're you're absolutely right. And I'm 19, dude. Right. No, like, in but it's unfortunate. It's a bill of goods that's being sold to your generation and the generations that are younger than you too, and even to my generation. Like, there's no cost. But Jesus tells us the exact opposite. Hey, dude, you need to count. He didn't say dude, but he tells his the disciples. Gen Z translation. Yeah, Gen Z. Dude. <laughs> uh, dude, you need to count the cost. He, he, he tells us that we need to count the cost. And so it, it goes back, and this is why I the gospel goes, and it hinges on the moment of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And and that is why Christ is in such, mm-hmm. uh, always constantly under attack. That's why the name of Jesus Christ is is hated and all these other things, and we can go down that road or whatever. But back to the article here. It says, The gospel involves Jesus' death on the cross as sin, as the sin offering to fulfill the law's righteousness requirement. It cites Romans 8, 3-4 and Hebrews 10, 5-10. Under the law, animal sacrifices were offered year after year as a reminder of the sin and a symbol of the coming sacrifice in Christ. Hebrews 10, 3-4 cites that. When Christ offered himself on, at Calvary, that symbol became a reality for all who believed. And then it cites Hebrews 10 again. Uh, the work of atonement is finished now, and that's the good news, is that when Christ made his sacrifice on the cross, that ended. He was the perfect sacrifice. And when and when Christ drew his breath and said, it is finished, every jot and tittle of the law was satisfied. Mm-hmm. And Christ became the ultimate sacrifice. The gospel, the article goes on and says this, the gospel also involves Jesus' resurrection on the third day. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification, Romans 4.25. And the fact that Jesus conquered sin and death, sin's penalty, is good news indeed. The fact that he offers to share that victory with us is the greatest news of all in John 14.19. So here are the things. The elements of the gospel are clearly stated in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-6 as a key passage concerning the good news of God. For our, And here's what that, that passage says. For what I received, I'm in this Paul talking to the Corinthians. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the, to the scriptures and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve and then after that he appeared to more than 500 of brother of, of the brothers and sisters at the same time the most whom are still living so there were people that witnessed the resurrection of Christ at the time that Paul was writing this mm-hmm. which is mind blowing notice first that Paul received the gospel and then passed it on. This is a divine message, not a man-made invention. Second, the gospel is of first importance. Everywhere the apostles went, they preached the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And third, the message of the gospel is accompanied by proofs. Christ died for our sins, proved by his burial, and he rose again on the third day, proved by eyewitnesses. And fourth, all of this was done according to the scriptures. The theme of the whole Bible is salvation of mankind through Christ. And when you're trudging along through the boring parts of the Old Testament, it's it's an account in God working out the story of bringing about Christ, and that's what we got to remember about that. 
in in Romans 1 16 it says I'm not sh- not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first the Jew and then the, to the Gentile the gospel is bold is a is a bold message and we're not ashamed of proclaiming it it is a powerful message because it's God's good news it's a saving message and the only thing that can truly reform the human heart it is a universal message for Jew and Gentile both by the way a Gentile is just a person that's not a Jew both and the gospel is received by faith and salvation is a gift from God Ephesians 2 8 through 9 the gospel is the good news that God loves the world enough to give his only son to die for our sin everybody knows that John three sixteen. the gospel is the good news for our salvation and eternal life and home in heaven guaranteed through Christ in John 14 1 through 4 it says this he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and now and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. First Peter 1, 3 through 4. The gospel is the good news. And when we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation, there's nothing that we can do. And the, the only thing that we could do is live by God's standard that we see in his law. And we can't keep his law because we fail at it just by being born existing by existing we by by default we are born into sin we are sinful by nature our our default operating system is sin and so the gospel the gospel is the good news uh hold on sorry i lost my spot here um let's see here the gospel is good news when we understand that we do not and cannot earn our salvation the work of redemption and justification is complete uh, having been finished on the cross through Christ, John nineteen thirty, Jesus is the propitiation. That is a big word right there. Propitiation, um, and and it goes back and it cites the. There's a there's a hyperlink to the article there um, for our sins. The gospel is good news that we who were once enemies of God have been reconciled by the blood of Christ and adopted into the family of God. And see what uh, it says this, and it kind of wraps it up. See what uh, what great love. The Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that and that's what we are. The gospel is the good news that thou there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans eight one. So to reject the gospel is to embrace the bad news. Think about that. If you're not going to embrace the gospel, which is the good news, you're you're rejecting the gospel and you're embracing the bad news, which is condemnation before God and is the result of lack of faith in the Son of God and God's only provision for salvation. And it quotes this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever uh, does not believe stands condemned already because they they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John three seventeen through 18 uh, God has given a doomed world good news, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is, in a nutshell, what the gospel is. And and Parker, you you touched on it, man. Mm-hmm. It's not love. It it to say that the gospel is just love is is giving only a quarter of the story. It's like telling a half truth right. in order of trying to avoid something else. Right. You know? Yes, the gospel is love. It, it's a story of God's love. But mm-hmm. in order to to really understand the whole thing, we've got to back this back this car up mm-hmm. and talk about God's standard. And because God has that standard, and because who we are as sinful human beings, we can't meet that standard. 
However, God in his love and his mercy reached out to us and took on flesh in the form of son, Emmanuel, God with us. That's and, and, and Christ, a lot of people just want to talk about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But I, I would say also that Christ showed us how to live through the stories, the parables, the things that we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the account of Christ's ministry. He shows us how to live. And so we have God taking on flesh in, in, in Christ and then taking and completing the work, living a sinless life. Mm-hmm. Very important there. And, and taking that to the cross and then taking and trading what should be he who who knew no sin became sin and that trade-off and he took sin to the cross and he took sin to the cross and but then he defeated death through his death burial and resurrection and that's the good news that's the gospel and now so for for the gospel you know you're sitting here going okay what do we do with the gospel now what th- this is this is something that should change your life mm-hmm. it, it should but but we see people who say yeah um you know i accepted jesus or whatever phrase you want to put with it and and i'm good well, well do you go to church no when's the last time you read your bible well i don't know well i can't tell you well, what do you what else do you know good about jesus mm-hmm. well i just know the son of god Walk down the aisle, pray to pray. Now, I'm not, mm-hmm. listen, man, I'm not like, you, you get what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. Like, like I, I feel like that bill of goods has been sold to a lot of evangelicals that this is the gospel. This is the gospel. You know, like, it, it's so much more than just God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's like when you come into a decision, you know, like, okay, when you've got those people that, just like you said, um, they know. They like, oh, I know God. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I did that. It's like, ultimately, it becomes a question of like, what decision did you make then? Right. Because did you make a decision to? If it's just like, yeah, I made a decision to, and I made a decision to make a statement. Right. Cool. They've said that thing. Okay. Ultimately, it's did you make a decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus? Right. Because the relationship doesn't just start at this at the statement. Right. You go. It goes. Well, it starts there. Sorry, right. it goes past that. Is the point I was trying to make, and I think a lot of that not understanding, like every 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 bit of Jesus's walk and just his time, right? Every star, every part of it from the beginning to the end right. was all built on relationship, right? And you know, everywhere he went with people and things, it was relational. It wasn't right. like, hey, y'all want to? Um, there goes my phone. I just punched off. Sorry. <laughs> It wasn't, um, he didn't just say like, hey, do y'all want to, y'all should believe in me. I'm coming. Like, he didn't even say, you know, that he was, he didn't even tell people to like, hey, go and tell everyone what you've seen. It's like, hey, keep it to yourself. Right. Um, because it was all like relational in the beginning and he was building relationships Mm -hmm. and with an effort of not only like being, showing who he was, who he was, who he said he was. Right. Um, but it was all relationship. Mm-hmm. You want to take it even a step further. He built a relationship with Judas before Judas betrayed him, and he knew that he was going right. to do harm and, and wrong. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is that Judas was Judas heard the greatest preacher in the world, 
Judas hung out with some of the 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 founders and pillars of the the. He the, was as close to Jesus church. as someone could get. <laughs> right, and he still didn't believe, and he mm-hmm. still betrayed him. Yeah. Um. So it goes back to the whole old thing of I can't stand in the middle of a garage and proclaim that I'm a Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> you know. Can I get an amen? Like you, you get what I'm saying. I think a, a thing that we need to touch on too mm-hmm. is that um, a lot of people think that the gospel is behavior modification. Oh yeah. We kind of touched on a little bit, but like behavior modification, a lot of times you will see people like go in full tilt and, you know, be a part of a Christian community and all those things. And yeah, you know, I, I got saved when I was three years old or whatever. And they, they kind of point back to something else and they're, they're constantly trying to do good. They're trying to, Mm. well, uh, even, um, even some, denominations hey you've got to do xyz don't do 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 and then you're good and and then you're good and that's not it's a christ works from the inside out he changes people from the inside out he gets a hold of their heart he convicts them he calls them to repentance. He gets a hold of their heart, and he start, begins to change them from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And then because once the the once it reaches a certain point, you're going to see those ideals change. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the people not dress a certain way or want to do things not because it's a, the moral thing to do, but because they want to honor God with it. Mm-hmm. They want to honor God in the way they dress. They want to honor God with the way they speak. They want to honor God with the, how they eat, yeah. with how they eat food. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to honor God in their marriage. They want to honor God with what they look at on the internet. You know, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's the change of the gospel right. in, a, in a person's life. Mm-hmm. They want to be in God's word. Like, we can't... It's such a push and pull because you can't make people want to do these things. Yeah. It's like the, the um, gosh, what's it called? The analogy. It's like you can bring a, a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. Right. Um, that's what I was thinking of. But the thing that I kept, another one that I was thinking of, too, was you talk about how ultimately when you focus on Christ, these other things come with that. Like he, he he's the right. one that does the work. So instead of you looking at, hey— let me go and change these behaviors. And you're, instead right. you're saying, hey, I just want to know Jesus more. I want right. to fall in love with who he is and what right. he's done for me. Jesus is like, cool, you're doing exactly what you're doing since you're vulnerable and you're open and such. I can go in and And the Holy Spirit's going to work on you Spirit on those works. things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it to me, it's a perfect example of what you call spiritual fruit. Right. And it's like being rooted in Christ. Mm-hmm. So think of that as the ground and the tree right. that comes from that. The fruits that come right. off that tree is a result right. of the roots being in what it is. Right. It's not because you looked at it and you're like, hey, I need apples. Let me go see <laughs> like, if I can go make apples. Yeah. No, you find an apple tree, you put that in ground, and then the tree comes from it. The fruits are then and, from that. And what we realize, and, and the fruit tree is such a great illustration, what we don't realize about the fruit tree is that um, a lot of times, you know, when a farmer right now, if we were to drive north of here, and go right up Highway 11, we would see a a slew of peach trees. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's we're gonna have you know peach season is late July or late June into July, mid July. Um, that's when the peaches kind of fall off the you know and, and are ripe and all that. Well, right now they're starting to bloom. But the interesting thing about it is when you plant a fruit tree, right? 
within that fruit tree is probably not going to bear fruit until the first three or four years it's been in the ground. Yep. And even at that, a lot of um, people that work on trees are called botanists, I think. I don't know. I, uh, who knows? Anyway, somebody that works on a tree, um, people, they would say that those that first season that it produ- produces fruit, produces fruit, produces fruit. Uh, amen. <laughs> right. Um, that fruit is not going to be as a good quality. Mm-hmm. It's producing fruit. Right. But it's not really, you can't say it's edible. Right. That's such a great illustration for our Christian walk. Mm-hmm. You think about the baby Christians. They're, they're growing. Think about when you, be, and you know, I'm sitting here thinking about when I, when I became a believer. I was 16, 17 years old. And I really didn't start to produce fruit until God fully mm-hmm. began to mature me in my faith. And I didn't start to produce a lot of that fruit that was kind of consistent with repentance I mean, it was it was an inner work inside of me and God maturing mm-hmm. me and making me strong. And then I started produce, to mm-hmm. pr- produce fruit. And we go, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That is the fruit, not plural, fruits, right. but it's the fruit of the Spirit. Right. That right there is it's summed up in the process of sanctification. And the thing for me was I think I made it all the way till I was about 14 or 15. Right. And so we already gone over the fact of how long I had been in church. Right. So let's just say I'm in church for 14, 15 years. And it was about till then to, I think, either when you were my youth pastor or a little <laughs> before that. Yeah. Um, that I under not only probably would have heard the, the like the word sanctification mentioned for the first time. Wow. And if it had been mentioned, I couldn't tell you a lick about what it meant. Right. You know, I could tell you when it was said, but I couldn't tell you. I couldn't even use context clues, you know, kind of thing to tell you what it meant. Right. And you can look at, there's many people that can say, well, it's like, well, why didn't you just go and figure it out yourself or go and get in the word yourself and, you know, do some discovering? It was like, yes, but here's the thing. If it, if it, for me, I got, let's say I got, I got saved at, not, not let's say, I got saved at six and there was a big period of kind of just doing church for right. me. Right. Until well, you, I got to the youth. Yeah. And, People were now like, hey, this is a relationship. Let me show you how we walk through that. Right. And the key thing I want to focus on on that was let me show you. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. there is it, we have such an issue with saying with people going and accepting Christ, and you want to point them straight to the Word. Who's going to teach them how to study that? Right. Or you go like, well, hey, go go figure it out yourself. Yeah. Where are they going to do that? You know, yeah. There is a there is a reason that Jesus was teaching disciples. It was not just right. be, to sh- to get the gospel to spread. Right. It was an it was an illustration and it was an example for us right. to then teach new believers. Well, dang, and such. Parker, you're you're just preaching, buddy. Oh, it, I'm I'm preaching because it's it's such an issue that right. I've seen is that there's you bring it back to our generation. A reason a lot of us might be biblical or a lot of my generation that is in the church is biblically illiterate or right. is walking away from the faith is because there is a lack of older people or people that are lack of elders pouring into these students lives. I can take it back to you to the sole reason why your generation, maybe not the sole reason, but the biggest reason why your generation Mm -hmm. um, is the way they are as far as discipleship is concerned. Because in the late nineties, early two thousands, there was a huge push Mm -hmm. for numbers, 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 get them saved, get them baptized, get them saved, get them baptized. And we didn't know what to do. 
after we got them saved, got them baptized. There was a huge initiative on on how to share your faith, how to share the gospel, how to do all these things. But then the discipleship void, it was a chasm, and, and we got them saved, got them baptized, got the numbers there, got their, their hind yeah. end in a seat, but we didn't know how to grow them in their faith. Right, and by no means is this me saying that we need a bunch of adults and people that are like, all right, cool, I'll show up, and all we want to do is just like have fun, play games, right. give things away, you know, and generate right. a community that way. By no means is that what I'm saying. Is those Are those tools effective in some ways? Yes, but ultimately... At the heart of that and what the purpose should be is if if there is someone, an elder, and I'm saying elder loosely because that could be someone, it could be me as a 19-year-old college student right. pouring into someone for fifth grade, right. just as vital of a connection. Okay. But ultimately when you walk in the youth the first time, a lot of those, a lot of that teaching is going to come from whoever you're, the Older adults people, are. Yeah. Adults right. And so it's it, the process of, number one, understanding sanctification is, and it's a process. Right. And two, for those people that are adults and things, or elders, right. um, understanding that discipleship making is part of your walk. Right. You know, it's not it's not a, oh, I love Jesus. I go and I, I serve in this way and these things. Cool. Right. That's one thing that I'm working on right now right. is making disciples. And so it's it's kind of ignored, and we do like, you know, I can— I can I can serve in this capacity. Mm-hmm. I can do this for you, or I can do that, which is good. But mm-hmm. the relationship aspect is so important. You can see it, like I yeah. said, through all of Jesus's time. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to my generation, it's almost like a lot. Of, I'll I'll say this: <laughs> a lot of times, our generation gets looked as, at looked at as like lepers or something from the Bible. Okay, and I'm saying that as in a sense of like, oh, they're messed up. We can't touch that. You hear what they did? You know, kind of thing. Right. And it's a we don't want to touch that subject kind of deal. So when the student or that person is struggling with that thing, right. they don't feel like they can bring it up because it's deemed as uncomfortable right. or things like that. And that makes them feel like, oh, I'm dirty. I thought this was accepting. They're not. But right. hey, you know what? The world says I'm fine with this. I'm going to go that way. And that's just one example as to maybe someone would leave. Right. But ultimately, bring it. I say all that to say this, Jimmy. <laughs> um, bringing it all back around. Right. Um, ultimately, Understanding sanctification and that it's a process right. for the church body to understand that is vital. Right. Because if the if the adult if the elders in mm-hmm. the faith know that, you understand the process. Okay, it's a process. All so right. when I'm pouring into these kids, if they're struggling with things, that's a part mm-hmm. of it. And and what you're talking about is very interesting because then we're we're talking about what is the gospel, right? And what you just kind of spent a, a couple minutes talking about is how the I'm very gospel, passionate about no, that. No, 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 <laughs> like, and it's great. But you're talking about the importance of how the gospel is never something that we just kind of throw to the side as a believer. Once we we place we come to believe the gospel, we come and place our faith in Christ. We repent of our sin. And, and we recognize that there's a need for that mm-hmm. that go-between, that intercessor between us and a holy God. But in what you're talking about is how the gospel affects still the believer's life every day after yep. that. Like it's it's the the gospel should should affect everything that we as Christians do. Mm-hmm. And when we realize that the gospel is not just something we're finished with one time and done, it's not a one-use thing. 
that we look at it and we see that the behind what you just talked about, the driving force is living out the gospel in your everyday life. Exactly. If you're living out the gospel in your everyday life, you are pursuing and that process of sanctification is working out in your life and and people are seeing the gospel. Now, now everybody always wants to go back and go, oh, well, I, I love the quote by, there's arguing, arguing on who said the quote, but you know, uh, preach the gospel at all times when necessary. And, you know, if it's necessary, when necessary, use words. Yes. I believe that there's, that's kind of a half truth. Mm -hmm. You have to use words to preach the gospel. You have to, there's a point where, uh, yes, I can look and see how something has changed Parker's life through, you know, just by watching Parker. But there's a point where I look at Parker and go, hey, man, why are you so different, Parker? Why are you, you know, doing and saying X, Y, Z? And that's when Parker's got to use his words and go, man, it's because Jesus Mm -hmm. radically changed my life when I was, you know, six years old, six, six years old. You know, for me, it was. Jesus radically changed my life when I was 16 years old. Right. Can I tell you about it? Right. And that is, yes, we share our testimony. And by the way, by the way, this is free of charge too. Let's go. Your testimony, I love you if you're listening to this, your testimony is not the gospel. Mm-hmm. Your testimony is how the gospel affected your life and impacted your life. Mm-hmm. So when I share my testimony, I'm sharing how Jesus and how the gospel radically changed Jimmy's life. Right. And so I talk about when Jimmy the life Jimmy had before he came to know Christ. And and I talk about how Jimmy came to realize that he was a sinner. And I'm talking about myself in third person, which is completely weird. But how I how, how I came to realize that I was a sinner in need of a Savior and, and how God had put that story into motion thousands of years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and how he brought it to, to pass through his son Christ and, and that he is the only way mm-hmm. to a relationship with the Holy God. And like I, I share that, your the gospel can be within your testimony, but it is not your testimony. Right. Um, and and I know there's a lot of people. Well, I, well, I shared the gospel with them, and they'll talk about how, you know, well, I just repeat, I, I just, you know, I, I just gave up and said God was God. <sighs> Even though that's one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes, it, taking it out of context from mere Christianity. Um, it does it some injustice because up to the point where C.S. Lewis says that one quote, he shares with how he came to understand the gospel mm-hmm. and, and how he how he repented of his sin and placed yep. his faith in Christ. So that's that's the big thing. And, 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 go, and, and it is a process of how the gospel changes everything that we do. Mm-hmm. The gospel changes how I work at Coke. The gospel changes how you're a student at USC Upstate. The gospel changes how, you know, I don't know if you're listening to this, how you go about your daily activities. Mm -hmm. The gospel changes how I eat a sandwich. The gospel changes how I show gratitude to my wife. The gospel changes how I discipline and how I love my son. Mm -hmm. The gospel affects everything. The, The Christian, hear me when I say this, if you're listening to this, don't just throw the gospel away once you you come to know Christ and repent of your sin and place your faith in him. The gospel changes how we operate every day of our life past the point that we come to know Christ. It affects everything that we do. 
it goes back to sorry i'm preaching a little bit here please forgive me here i mean i just did it yeah well it goes back to be the salt and light of the world right okay that that phrase that jesus said doesn't have I don't want to say doesn't have. He's the son of God, of course. He he has he, very intentional everything that he said. But when you take you know be salt and light, how do we preserve our culture? Salt is a preservative. Right, right. People would put in that time when Christ said those words, "Be the salt and light." There wasn't electricity. Everything was flame or or light or torch, mm-hmm. and so lights had to be carried. If you wanted a room to be lit up at nighttime, you had to take your light into the darkness. That illustration carries right there. But what hits harder is is the salt comment. Salt is a preservative. Correct. Right? That they would they didn't have refrigeration. They had ways to refrigerate uh, their or rate ways to preserve mm-hmm. outside of salt. But the main way was to take and if I had meat, I would throw a ton of salt on it. Mm-hmm. And it would cure, and the salt would pr- protect it and keep it from going bad and all this other stuff. How does the Christian, when Jesus says, be the salt and light, how are we the salt? If we're the salt without the gospel, we're just teaching moralism to yep. a culture. If we're the salt without the gospel, we're just saying, hey, do good, love to love. Mm-hmm. Love because God loved. Yes, God loved us, but once again, it goes back to the whole thing. We're just only telling half the story. Right. The salt, we've got to, the gospel is the salt for our culture mm. to preserve it. And it affects everything that you do, everything, everywhere we go. Mm. And so I, I, I want to wrap up with this as we kind of close our time. And man, I really, man, thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for talking with me. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm going to kind of, uh, kick the hornet's nest as we walk out the door so to speak everything that we've talked with it uh everything that we've talked about um and and this is this is going to go into our um our next probably our next episode or whatever we're going we're going to talk about this um but everything that we've talked about here Mm -hmm. i want us to take into consideration when i'm going to share this very like three minute clip okay um and what we're going to do is, in short form, I'm just going to I'm just going to ask you asking me for short. Jimmy, well, yeah, I that's true. The question that I want you, as the listener, to ask yourself is based on everything that we've had a conversation here. And by no means are we the we're not the standard, but oh, based yeah, gosh, on no. based on the biblical standard that we've put forth, is this the gospel? Okay, so I'm gonna just play this, and we're gonna listen to it. But what is the source of your love? Take a picture of this. If your source of love is white knuckling it, trying really hard, or is it the love of God for you? What is the purpose of your love? Is it to look good at chapel? Is it to look good to your family? Is it to get love in return from the person that you're giving love to? That's not this love we're talking about. And who or what are you becoming through this expression of love? If you're loving someone and not becoming more like Jesus in that love, then I would go search 
what that love really is. You following? So some of us, some of us need to sit in the love of God. Some of us need to taste and see and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you want to become love, if you really want to become love in action, you start by prostrating yourself before the love of God. If you want to become love in action, then you have to experience the love of God. Are you convinced we can't do those 30 commands? You can't, you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't blow people's hair back by your love and your leadership. You have to experience the love of Christ in your life. Seniors, I'm listening to you. I'm talking to you right now. Do not graduate here and think you're going to do all this stuff in your own strength. Do not leave here. You got three months left. Do not leave here before you learn about the love of God, experience the love of God so you can pour it out. Pour it out, pour it out, and he will fill you back up. Asbury, the world needs this kind of love. Needs it. Syria and Turkey need this kind of love. Your mom and dad need this kind of love. The teammates on your team, the people on your floor, Wilmore, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, the United States needs this kind of love. They need a bunch of Christians experiencing the love of God so they can pour out the love of God, not through their own efforts and not through their own knowledge, but because they are filled with his love. Amen? You can, you can tell I take this serious. I pray that this sits on you guys like an itchy sweater. And you gotta itch, you gotta take care of it. So, experience his love. Become the love of God by experiencing the love of God, amen? And as if you couldn't tell, that's a TikTok clip that I shared with you. Now, and, and, and of course, you've, you've figured it out and, and I, I'm gonna be very careful I'm not trying to blow up the room as I walk out, but I want to set this up. It was at the end of that sermon. That's the invitation that apparently led to the start of the Asbury revival. That sits heavy as to everything that we've just talked about. And I, I listen, and let me be very clear. Can God and could God use what's happened there mm-hmm. to change lives and, and genuinely bring about people to repent, place their faith in Christ? Um, could it could it bring about people uh, being refreshed in their walk with Jesus? All of those things? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, something that I heard about, and, and not to, I don't want to go down that road, but like just taking that, that's the end of that speaker pastor i don't know the guy's name that person that person's uh, that's the invitation time and usually as a, as a pastor what i've always tried to do is that in the invitation time knowing that i'm speaking to a crowd of possibly unbelievers and there could be people i don't know how god's using the message that i'm sharing i always try to give a clear presentation of the gospel you heard a, a lot of love go share the love well what is the love what is the love like those are the open-ended questions what is the love Mm -hmm. well i can go share love right now become the love Uh, right 
we can, I mean, you know, people that aren't believers know how to love those mm-hmm. that love them. Right. That's easy to do. Like, why should we love? Why should I go share the love? Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I'm under conviction there because my drive, my desire, when I wrap up, a, a, and, and this is just me, um, I believe that, that if, if you're going to present the gospel, there should be two calls at the end of a sermon. It should be to the believer and to the unbeliever. Yeah. Uh, the believer, a call to action to apply what they just heard. Or essentially, here's the truth, the biblical truth. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And then you you present a call to the unbeliever. Hey, you may not understand this biblical truth, and here's why you don't understand this biblical truth, because you don't know the the truth, the person or, or, or the, the God that is behind this truth. Amen. And so I always try to present, hey, Everything that we talked about in the gospel, it, golly, and, and I don't want to kick a hornet's nest, but by by everything that we've talked about, yeah. I'm not trying to fashion you know, what you would think, Parker, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear the gospel at all in that invitation. And that's apparently the call, uh, the, the invitation that led to, right. that was the, the chapel service that started the Asbury Revival. That was the last three minutes of the sermon that started the quote, quote, Asbury revival. And that's a whole nother. Don't get mad at me because I said, quote, quote, there's a lot that we can process on. And I want to process that. There's going back to, you know, I'm here because of my generation. But you can talk about two things that my generation is confused about. Those two things were also the two biggest things that were mentioned in that clip is we're all about experiencing things. Right. Emotions and all that stuff. Right. That is what my generation loves right now. Right. That was a buzzword. Yeah. And number two is love, which you just mentioned it. Right. But ultimately the difference in God's love already given for us and applied for us. Right. And obviously what the world defines is love. Yeah. And I know it's a touchy subject that we've got to, we'll navigate through and I want to talk about the Asbury Revival. And I don't want to, I want to do it in, in love and humility and respect. And uh, also with the, the foundation of, can God use this? Yes, he can. I think we need to, I think one of the best things, and we, we heard, you know, Scott say it from the pulpit, and I've heard several several pastors say it. Right. We've got to be careful not to be so quickly to say it's a revival. I right. think the, the return on that is still to be seen. We have to wait and see on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to wait and see if there's lives changed. Mm-hmm. There's a whole statement that that are concerns for me um, because I've, I've I've looked. I don't want to I don't want to sound pious when I say this, but I've I've just kind of looked at a lot of things. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I have a good friend, a good student pastor friend that that went went to that revival, and and he genuinely like is sharing about his experience there. Mm-hmm. Can God use it to rejuvenate? That's what revival is, yeah, is absolutely. using using uh, moments to to rejuvenate a person's life. There's just a lot of questions, but but by uh, I lovingly say this, by everything that we've talked about right there. And I understand there's a 3-minute clip right there and I could, you know, maybe back it up and hear more. But by based on that 3-minute clip where he was calling students to action, there was not, the gospel was not presented. 
that alar- that's alarming to me. Yeah. And so many services, so many presentations, especially to your generation, Parker, like you said, y'all hear it a lot. And so I don't want to end this podcast on, on that, you know, down note, but I think it's something that we've got to, and, and here's the thing. I don't want to be the bad guy because I'm, I'm, I'm asking questions about what happened in Kentucky. I think we're called to as believers. That's what I was Yeah. Because you look through Acts and, and the Bereans question Paul. We are called to believers to test everything by Scripture. Because it'll stand if it's from it. And praise the Lord if it does stand. Right. Awesome. He could use it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions, though. There's a lot of things because it goes back to that if the gospel has truly affected my life and it's changing me from the inside out, desiring me to pursue sanctification, that process that we talked about, you know, we're kind of summing everything up here. Yeah. There's going to be a moment where I do not want the things of this world. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to pursue the things of this world. Um, I have unfortunately read account after account of, um, you know, certain questionable things. And, and there's a lot of things that raise the question. But most importantly, and here's the thing, just kind of putting that to the side, it's, believer, it's okay to make sure that your pastor is clearly presenting the gospel if he's presenting the gospel at the end of a sermon. I was going to say, too, I think that is so vital. And right. I think the lack of willingness to ask questions is has a huge effect on what we see nowadays. Right. Because here's the thing. If, if, if we go on the case of, like, it sounds good, it sounds like it's from God, cool. If that's the case and that's all you're going to do, you tell me the difference in something that's biblical and something that's prosperity gospel. Right. Because those are very clearly two different things. Yeah. But that's a whole other rabbit trail. Right. But the reason I bring that up, though, is because it's through discernment. It's through questioning whether or not you find if this is something that is stands on a biblical sense right? or is this something that just sounds good to my ear because we slapped a God tag right. on it right. or something or we've slapped the the and, biblical and you thing. make you make an exceptional point there Parker because the way that we know the way that we know how to discern the way that we know how to process all this is it goes back to the word of God and if we see the people of God acting contrary to the word of God we as believers have an obligation to raise red flags and go, hey, oh, oh, the meme, hey, oh, oh, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like, oh, look at that, look at that. We're we're called to say that. We're like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. But because we live in the era that we are, immediately people who who take the stance that we do and go, all right, let's let's look at this. And, And we're not, I'm not calling it bad. Right. I'm just saying, hey, let's look at it objectively. Mm-hmm. Let's take what the people of God that that are around there are saying in comparison to the Word of God, and if there's some conflict and things, there's if this is genuine revival, there's going to be evidence of repentance and 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 forsaking worldly things. Right. And I don't want to get into the whole thing because we still got to prepare for it. But right. what what I've seen so far. There has not been, I don't say there has not been, because that's an absolute statement. Yeah. I see people on social media bragging about worldly things hanging out with godly things. Mm-hmm. And that just does not happen. Yeah. When true repentance and and 
revival is taking place. Mm. So the last thought I have, cause I know you're, yeah, let's let's up. let's let's get to let's um, get to final thoughts. So yeah. let's just kind of wrap this up. Let's put a bow on it. Parker. Well, the last thing I wanted to give back with what I said about asking questions, and that like, if if there is someone who you know is asking questions, whether that is about the Bible or about anything, or if it yeah. is touchy or if it's not, the number one thing I can say, and if it, if it's to if it's to the the person like listening to this, if you're if you're the one having the questions asked to you as a believer. Don't shut it down. Right. And the reason why I say that is because I'm a product of asking questions. <laughs> yes, you and are. And <laughs> Jimmy's laughing at this because he, I feel like you know where I'm about to go. Yes. The first time I showed up in the youth, and this this is just context for my statement and, the, and just kind of giving a little weight to it. I don't know why, but I had an obsession with Leviathans from Job and just, yep. I wanted so bad because their description was so detailed yeah. that I, I wanted to like, I was like, hey... If someone were to paint a picture, like what would this look like? What would this look like? And things. Yep. And it kind of it kind of became a meme because I was always wanting to know about it. Right. But the reason I say that is that the group at the time, the people that were surrounding me, the people that were teaching me, did not shut it down and say, "Dude, that's absurd. Stop going on about this." Right. It was welcomed. It was like, "Hey, just let's walk through that." You know. Yep. There was a, there was a time we spent where we read the passage just mm-hmm. because I was absurd. I was so like I was so bewildered by Leviathans that were like we need to sit down and read this right. so we can help him understand it. Yeah. And so the reason why I say that is I've I've done that for years now just asking questions and no not everything's been a Leviathan related question. There's been plenty of right really deep ones other than that. But the reason I bring that up is that questions are important. So with questions being asked they need to be treated important like and right. that they have a weight. So it's not it is okay to say I don't know if you don't know the answer to that. Right. But if a student or if someone is asking questions that might be like, hey, what is your opinion on this? Or, right. hey, I don't know about this. Right. It is, it needs to be like answered and welcomed. And again, it goes back to walking with them through that. Right. And so that was, that's kind of my last thing to say right. with that is that, you know, with saying that questions are important and that it's good to know why you know. Yep. Um, it's just as important that if someone's asking you that, that you're ready to defend that. Or defend your faith if someone's coming at you for right. questions, but if it's more of a knowledge, like "Hey, I want to know more," that you are ready to walk through them with that as well. Right. Well, a, co- a couple things too. Um, don't I agree with you? Don't ever back away. And and here's the thing, adult person, this this investing, maybe discipling, um, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. don't be afraid of saying and the response being, "I don't know." But let's figure out what the Bible says about it. Let's let's seek mm-hmm. out a genuine understanding. And there are plenty of resources. Got questions is like, dude, if you really knew how much I leaned on got questions as a student pastor and how many how many times that I I didn't know what answers were, but I right. stood up in front of the whole group mm-hmm. and essentially leaned heavily on got questions as my sermon prep, you would have you would laugh at me. I'll be honest with you. Um, but it's good material, uh, right? It, it's solid material. It, it's definitely material that's in the middle of the road. That's not it's solid biblically, mm-hmm. but you're not. Um, they're going to present all all sides because I know there's nuanced opinions that we can we can lean towards uh, as we study text. There's those like open handed conversations. Right, those open handed con- they they present all uh, all the facts, all the sides within those open handed conversations. But going to okay, well, Jimmy, I. I get what you're saying about the gospel. Well, then, well, then, what do I do if I get to that point? 
What if I get to that point with that person that I'm sitting across the lunch table, that coworker or that, that other friend that I have in the class, and we actually get to a gospel conversation, like how do I share with them what the gospel is? There's an app uh, put out, and, it, and it's called Life on Mission. It's called the Three Circles app. Mm-hmm. Um, and it literally, the whole app is just walking you through the presentation of how to share the gospel. And it has all the scripture there ready to rock and roll and, and everything that you need to essentially say or it's a script that, that is an app on your phone. So search, you know, go to your app store, Three Circles app or Life on Mission. It's a application put out by the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I know there's a lot of things that the SBC has been taking fire for, but but this is possibly one of the good things that they've done in the past two, three years. Um, so it's a really, really great app. You can you can share the gospel, thumb through it, familiarize yourself with the app. And, and, and it's a tool that you can share the gospel with. Um, but but also know, know that there's so much um, that that what the gospel is. And, and here's the thing. If you're, I really want to be straightforward if you're listening and you're going, you know what? I've always heard of the gospel. I've always heard of oh, gospel music or whatever. Um, but I've never really grabbed, Jimmy, what it is. Well, I want to say to you, if you're hearing this, God has blessed has blessed you with with the grace and the breath in your lungs and the mercy to hear this. Um, God, who is holy and perfect and blameless, the one true living God, the God of the Bible, it, it, because He is holy and blameless and perfect, and we are sinful human beings, we are born. Um, when you were born, you were born with a draw, a lean, a, a sinful nature. No one taught you how to lie. No one taught you how to hit. No one taught you how to desire uh, the other and covet other things and, and so on and so forth. Nobody taught you that. And it goes back to what we talked about in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, God has a design for our life. And the thing about it is with, with God's design for our life it, we fall short of it because of sin. Sin messes us up. And and because we are sinful human beings, we fall short of that design. And so it, it leads us to a state of brokenness. It leads us to a state of trying to fill that hole with a relationship, with drugs, with money, with belongings, with other things. But no matter what we can do, it does not work. It does not fill the void in which the God who created you is meant to fill. Okay. And so this is the good news though. This is where you, you see the brokenness and you see God's design and you see how sin has led us to that brokenness. Well, what's the remedy? What's, what's the good news? Well, the good news is, is that God, because of his love, didn't leave us in our brokenness that Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's design. Jesus came to the rescue to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took on sin and shame, and he took that sin and shame to the cross, paying the penalty of our sin by his death. And Jesus was raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a right relationship with God. And that's where you hear a lot of Christians say in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, and so that is the way out of the brokenness. But, but here's the thing. 
in order to get out of that brokenness, you have to be- repent and believe. You have to repent, which literally means turn, change direction from you living your life the way that you want to, to saying, you know what, God, I want to live my life the way you want me to live my life. I surrender my life to you. I confess my sin to you. I repent of my sin to you because I know it. it it's it's abhorrent in your sight and, and, and it separates me from you. And I want to place and I know that you sent Jesus Christ to the cross and that is the the perfect sacrifice for my sin through his death burial and resurrection and and i want to repent of my way and start living my life for you in your way in the way that you want me to live and i place my faith in christ in his death burial his life death burial and resurrection that is what it means to repent and believe you know it says it says in ephesians 2 8 and 9 it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourself this this salvation is a gift from god and it's not of works so any man should boast there's nothing and let me say this right now there's nothing you can do nothing you can do on your own to make yourself right with god and romans 10 9 says this and this is important it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe and, and this is very, very tricky right here. It's not just asking Jesus into your heart. When when that word by Paul is used with heart, and I've talked to students several times about this, but when that word heart is used, it, it means that every crevice of your life, so Every, every compartment of your life. And so what Paul's saying here to the Romans in Romans 10, 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in every area of your life that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So believe and repent. If you're listening to this and you don't have a relationship with Christ, repent of your sin, place your faith in Christ, and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And so what that does is, is it allows us to not just pray a prayer and not just place your faith in Christ and hit a, hit a checkmark box and walk on out the door. Because after that, it gives us an opportunity that we get to recover and pursue God's original design for our life. And that's what Parker was talking a little bit a while ago, the sanctification process. That is our opportunity to recover and pursue God's design for our life. What were you going to say, Parker? I was going to say, too, just to add to that, that there is no one too far from God oh, as no, well. Absolutely. And so if it's the thought process that you're having of like, well, I want to, but I, there's, there's just no way that God can accept me. Mm-hmm. Well, take this. This is truth, is that before before you were ever born in, in conception or creation or before he, before you were ever born, he knew you and he knew, while, it says, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he knew what you would do he knew what would happen and he still sent jesus still came on the cross he still died voluntarily and he still defeated death and he still provides that gift for you regardless of your situation there is nothing you can do there is no such thing as being oh i'm too far god won't accept me for this so i just wanted to add that that's that is that can never be the case so even if if you are interested and you do want to accept the gospel and take what what jimmy just provided and you think that there's no way that God can love you, let me tell you that that is not the case. Absolutely. He absolutely loves you. He still sent. Jesus still came and died on the cross for you. I yes. guarantee you that when he died on the cross, he had you on his mind. There is no there is no person 
too far and there's nothing you can do that is too wrong. So I just wanted to add that in there as well. Yeah. And that's well said Parker. Um, and so as we wrap up, if this is you and you go, man, I, I want to repent and believe of, of believe, place my faith in Christ. Let me hear from you. The table podcast, SC at gmail.com. Cause I want to walk with you. Um, because I take it as a personal responsibility to then begin to disciple you and give you kind of some of the first steps of what it means to follow Christ. And so um, it, it says this, Ephesians, I'll close you with this. these uh, two things about recovering and pursuing. It says, um, uh, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his creation created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. And and so you're not meant to walk alone in your relationship with Jesus. If you're near in the Bowling Springs area, we ha- we know of a great church you can be involved in. Um, but uh, here's the thing. Let me have the privilege of, of helping you find a church, the, a good, solid, Bible-believing church that you can get plugged into, whatever it may be. If you have more questions about the gospel, whatever it may be, um, please, the table podcast sc at gmail.com. And Parker, um, thank you for being here with me, buddy. Um, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to have you back because uh, we just kicked a hornet's nest with the Asbury Revival that we need to kind of um, walk soundly as the Bereans were, mm-hmm. would. I would say, right. and that's going to be with our next episode. We're going to walk through and assess everything as a Berean would about the Asbury revival. Right. And so, um, uh, join us for that. Parker's going to hopefully. Will, will you come back and sit down with me about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Okay. I love to talk. Cool. Obviously. Clearly. Thanks for joining us and sitting down with us at the table this week. Hey, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, you're welcome to email us, thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com, or you can leave us a live voice message at anchor.fm slash thetablepodcastsc. We'll see you next week right here at The Table.